This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the Park. We're a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m. and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them and our kids age 1 to 5th grade have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin, the host of this podcast, is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike or check us out on the web at parkplaza.org. When David Tennyson moved to Beggs, Oklahoma, it was to get closer to his grandchildren. After all, he was done coaching high school football after helping powerhouse Jinx win seven state titles from 1996 to 2009. What David didn't know was that God had a higher purpose for his life and for his wife, Sandra, to be there on November the 1st when tragedy struck the town of Beggs and the football team that David coached. When it was discovered that one of his players, Cason Tolliver, had been murdered by his own mother. Beggs was to host rival Sperry the next night for the district championship. Hard decisions were going to have to be made in rapid succession, and David Tennyson would be called on to help make them. Romans 8.28 reads, And we know that to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, I can only imagine, David, that you were questioning what good could possibly come out of this. David Tennyson, thank you for being on this episode of Suit Up. Before we get to the events of November the 1st, give us some background. Where did you grow up and when did you start to develop that relationship that you have with God? I grew up in Bixby, Oklahoma, uh, born and raised. I was a lifer there at the high school and uh, was was raised in the uh, Bixby Church of Christ. Again, was a lifer there. Uh, my dad was in the leadership uh, with the congregation there. So I was I was raised. Uh, uh, my entire family uh, were very devoted and dedicated uh, to, to God. And so I had a really good spiritual uh, uh, foundation. Uh, and then as, as my wife and I, as we were married when we were in college, uh, my father-in-law's a Church of Christ minister. So with my family, with the solid background they had, and then with uh, my, my father-in-law as, as a minister, uh, the foundation that we had in raising our children as well uh, was just unparalleled. And so we're just proud to have had that background, to have that network, to have that support like what we do. So let's fast forward now to before last season when uh, Lee leaves takes a job in Bartlesville. Yes. And so that frees up the head coaching job at Beggs. What then was your thought process in regards to that job being open? I mean, it wasn't too long, just a couple of years, really, before that, when you decided you weren't going to coach anymore. Right. Now, all of a sudden, a head coaching job comes up. Tell me about the conversations that you had with Sandra and also 
your prayer life then in regards to jumping back in to uh, football as a head coach? Well, I didn't know we was leaving until I got a phone call from the athletic director of Bartlesville uh, wanting a recommendation on, on Lee. And so I immediately called Lee after I got off the phone. And my thoughts immediately became how proud I am for Lee. What, what a great uh, step up to go from, you know, a 3A bags to uh, to 6A Bartlesville. For his career, that was a, a, an unbelievable step. But then, the, then the, the, there was kind of a hole in my heart, too. I thought, what great timing for Lee. But then I knew there were 24 seniors, 24 juniors that were going to be seniors that just lost their leader. Mm-hmm. And he had done a tremendous job. And so I didn't know what to think about that. I didn't know who they were going to hire. Uh, and I had said on this, and, I, and I, I prayed about this for for a week before it actually came out. And the day that they announced Lee that was, go, was going to Bartlesville, that night I had two coaches come to my house, just unannounced and asked me if I would consider putting my name in the hat. And uh, I told him, no, no, I, I'm, I'm done. And, 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 you know, we had good conversation and they, they, they pled their case. And when they left at that point, Saunter and I did have conversation and then I did engage in a lot of uh, a prayer. My concern at that point was for those young men, those 24 juniors who had lost their leader. And at that point, I thought, well, maybe I could provide at least some type of continuity. The, the, these young men knew me. I had coached them full time when they were ninth graders. So they knew who I was. I had been in and out of that program. And so, uh, as opposed to someone coming in from outside who they didn't know, who didn't know the situation, who didn't know the kids, who didn't know the culture, who may have to spend a couple of years to figure that out. I knew these young men had one shot at getting things right. They were 13-2. and two. They had uh, been beaten in the state championship game by a very good John Marshall. And they were 24 were coming back. Whereas now, Beggs, is, that's my home. That's my community. That's where I live. And I had such a tremendous opportunities in my career and such a blessed career that I told Lee two or three years before, I just want to give back. I just want to be a servant. I was blessed by having some great mentors. I just want to help these young coaches out. And so it got to the point I basically had to ante up. God put on my heart the fact that these young men could use some continuity. Uh, and so I called the athletic director and told him I was going to put my name in the hat. And uh, he was he was uh, acting like he was excited to do that. And uh, I very, felt very blessed and fortunate that they had enough faith in me to go in with these in this situation with 24 seniors coming back uh, and try to create some sense of continuity. And that's exactly what we did, Kevin, because these young men were in a comfort zone. Lee had done a great job, and, and every coach is different. Their nuances, their protocol, the things that they do, it's all different. And those kids didn't need that. And so I tried, because I knew Lee and kind of knew how he had operated, I tried to do the best I could to put those kids in a comfort zone. They don't need to learn something new. So we got out of our comfort zone and asked a young offensive coordinator to go in and try to run something that wasn't his for the team and for those kids. So last season starts off well enough, a couple of wins uh, to open the season before you go to Arkansas and take on Arkansas Power, Shiloh Christian, only lose 28-21. 
reel off six straight wins uh, to improve to eight and one. And so now you've got Sperry coming to your place on November the 2nd. The district title is online, uh, which is a big deal because it means a couple of home games in the playoffs for the district champion. And you're going to take on a lower seed in the first round. So it's a very important game against Sperry. Then comes, David, what I assume was a call to you, uh, a, a phone call, maybe somebody came to your home about Kaysen, that he had been shot. I don't know if, if you knew that he had been killed at that time, but tell us about how you found out and, you know, first thoughts. Let me back up a couple of days. Kaysen missed practice on Tuesday of that week. He was at school, but he wasn't at practice. And obviously, we became concerned. I tried calling him. I didn't reach him. I tried calling his mom. I didn't reach her. Uh, she reached out to me and said they were having a, a family emergency and that he really needed to be there. And so the next day, Kaysen came to practice. And, and, and one of my coaches came. We're starting our offensive meetings and said, hey, mom just pulled uh, uh, Kaysen out of our meetings, pulled him outside. So I stepped outside and knew mom was distressed. She said, coach, I got to have him. It's a family emergency. And Kaysen said, mom, we're, we're in meetings. And well, I got to have him. I said, Amy, we'll be done at five o'clock. It'll be okay. And uh, Casey came in, uh, sat down. He was visibly frustrated. And I, the last thing I said to him, I, I rubbed the top of his head and I said, that, "Hang in there, bud. You're gonna be okay." And he proceeded to have one of the best practices of his of his life, uh, literally. And uh, that was uh, that was Wednesday. And I come to school Thursday morning, and I I get there fairly early, about the same time my principal does. And I had a couple of questions to ask her. And so that morning I left my room. I went down to her office and the door was closed and she was in there with our resource officer. And of course, that's not uncommon. You know. And so I was just going to wait outside and she saw me standing outside. And uh, <clears throat> she came and opened the door and said, uh, she just came to me and hugged me and she said, Kaysen's gone. I said, what do you mean? She said, we just found out he's been shot by his mom. And uh, that was quite a sucker punch. So now here we are, teachers haven't arrived yet. Kids haven't arrived yet. This uh, news is just now getting out. And uh, you know what, what do you do? Uh, You know, there, there are no, there are no, plan books uh, to deal with something. There, there are no books to teach you how to deal with the death of a student, especially one that's this heinous of this nature. You, you knew that then right away that he had been killed by his mother. Because mm. I know, David, you know, when, and I mentioned this with, with um, we talked about this with Alan Trimble on, on Suit Up on his episode, when, when you had a player that uh, was killed in a car accident coming back from a team meeting. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know there was a gap that you weren't at Jinx, but I, were you, I was there. you were there. Mm-hmm. And were you, uh, were you one of the guys in the car with Alan on the way back from that event? Okay. Yes, so everything Alan talked about in his podcast, you were right there yes. seeing the whole thing. So you had actually gone through player dying. Now, that wasn't in the middle of the season. That was before before the season started. I had also been to another one. As a head coach at Kellyville, I had a starting offensive guard who was also in the band. I was an asthmatic who had an asthma attack at school during a band practice and died at school. Uh, it was the experience I had there that 
I did the best I could to try to, you know, lean on Alan uh, because I had been through that once. So then when Garrett passed away, it was just, uh, you know, the, the, the horrendous nature of losing a kid. And, and you know, and it was the, the second one happened with Garrett. And then fast forward to Beggs with Kaysen, I, I it, it's the third young man that I've been, that we've lost teams. I've been part of at three different schools. And it's just, those are challenges. Did anything run through your mind, David, about asking God why you, especially that day because of the other two experiences? Now here's Kaysen, and it's a third time now that you're having to go through that? I did. What answer did you come up with? My youngest son who coaches in Texas. He called me when he heard the news and he assured me that that, that's why God had me at base. Something that in my mind at that time, that early in this incident, I hadn't it's just like, you know, why, why do we have to go through this again? And, 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 you know, when Damon called and said, Dad, God put you there for a reason. With God's help, you can get through this. And I think probably as much as anything, the fact that, that came from my, my son, Probably had a, a, a profound impact. My uh, brother lives in Alaska, which I don't see maybe maybe once a year. He posts on Facebook the next day. He said, "I know you had reservations about getting into coaching, but he said I think God just settled the uh, the answers to why you're there. Don't ever question it." And so I didn't. At that point on, if this is the journey God has given me, then I will not question it. I will not waver. And I will do everything that I can with his wisdom to represent him the best I can in these situations. So back to the original question you asked me, it is that foundation of faith. It is that foundation of family that has allowed us to be able, I think, to hopefully be salt and light to these young men, to that school, and, and to the entire community in such a horrendous, horrendous time. Men like you, you're in this profession, and it's not about just coaching football. It's about shaping lives. It's about helping boys become men. It's about helping these uh, young men on the football team and and whatever else that you might be involved in at, at Beggs. I don't know, you might be involved in the you know, softball or something. I don't know, but I know this. These are the times that men like you realize that what you think about what you do really comes into effect. And so now it's DEFCON 5. So now what do you, what do you do on that particular day? 
what was the next thing that you felt like you needed to do for your football team? I had to make sure our coaches knew. I didn't want our coaches hearing from some media outlet. I wanted them to hear it from me and my wife. At that point, their teachers are starting to come to school, and I'm trying to get with our coaches and let them know still in quality of what to do. About half the teachers, maybe two-thirds of the teachers are there, there now. An all-call was put out for the teachers to come to the conference room, and uh, our, Mrs. Caldwell, our principal, uh, that's when she informed the teachers. And, uh, of course, just complete angst, despair. Why? You know, all those emotions. And at that point, you know, we don't know what the answers are. At that point, I just asked if I could say a prayer on behalf of our staff in our school. So we led a prayer for our staff and then went to go greet our kids, all the students as they're coming to school to try to do the best we can to manage uh, that that situation. And uh, sent all the high school over to the gym. Uh, Kids still, some of them heard, some of them hadn't. Got the entire high school over to the gym and uh, Mrs. Caldwell announced to them and one of our football players, especially hearing it for the first time, uh, uh, TJ Austin uh, immediately bolted, uh, got up and just stormed out of the gym. And so I followed him to try to comfort him and uh, stay outside with him for probably 20 minutes, just trying to console him. At that point, I went in told our superintendent, I need to get our guys out of here. I'd like to take them to the field house. So we got all of our football players over to the uh, <clears throat> to the locker room. And there's still a lot of kids that hadn't heard. There are a lot of kids that, that uh, go to OSUIT, and a lot of kids go to Green Country Votech, and they hadn't heard. So we put calls out for them just to uh, come back to school. They didn't know what was going on. And so... As we're waiting for them to come back, a lot of the dads, a lot of the moms, a lot of local ministers, youth ministers, pastors are, are showing up and are consoling these these young men. And, uh, you know, when when they all got there, we 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 rallied together in the circle. And one of our one of our, our coaches, Coach Tate, began to lead them in the Lord's Prayer. And when he got through, then I led him in a prayer and then began to talk to them uh, about, you know, there are no answers. Uh, We only have questions at this point. Let's make sure we can take care of each other. Then the next thing we realize is there are helicopters hovering above us. And we said, we've got to get these kids out of here. It's not going to be a, this is what I'm going to let this happen. So we snuck the kids out of there, uh, unbeknownst to the media, and took them to uh, <clears throat> a, a church about a mile and a half away. And uh, so we could, uh, and the parents re-rallied there. The, all the ministers, uh, the uh, one of the uh, churches brought in pizza and food. And just, you know, we stayed out there the whole day, just uh, crying and, and hugging each other and, searching for answers that weren't there. We got the early afternoon after reality had set in. 
at that point we separated the uh, after uh, Coach Blankenship wanted to come see the, the young boy, the, the boys <clears throat> and so he and Cody McDaniel uh, came and wanted to visit with them and so I waited until Lee and Cody came and had a chance to hug on those boys necks and then at that point, after that point, then I took the seniors into the sanctuary, separate from everybody else, and we had to have a serious discussion about what to do. And when you say what to do about playing the, that next night, or just yes. what to do? Yes. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> we told we had three options. We could cancel the game completely. Our athletic director, Justin Bean, had been in, in, in uh, communication with the OSSAA all morning about what to do. And the OSSAA was willing to do whatever we wanted to do. And uh, for that, we're, we'll be forever grateful. What, what, what were, besides canceling the game and playing the game, was there an option of maybe moving it to Saturday? Or? Yes. Okay. Cancel. <laughs> but he didn't want us to push it to next week if, if we were going to play it just because of preparation time, there's playoffs. I mean, but if, if that's what it took, they were going to be willing to let us extend that to a Monday if we needed to. Uh, we didn't really exhaust that, that, that didn't explain that one to the kids. We just, we just thought we need to cancel. We need to play Saturday or to play it on time, which to me, I, I didn't see how that was going to happen. But I did ask our administration if they would please respect the wishes of these young men, whatever decision they made, because that was one of their brothers. That was, this was such a tight knit bunch that I felt like we need to let them make that decision. And we as adults need to make the end result happen, whatever they wanted, and make it okay for them. And they were okay with that. So when we gave those seniors those three options, it was immediately, we're, we're playing. I said, okay, we play Saturday night. And one of them said, no, we're playing tomorrow night. And at that point, my heart just kind of hit the floor. I said, and what about the rest of you guys? Anybody opposed to playing tomorrow night? Not a single hand. So we'll make it happen. And uh, about that time, our athletic director came in. And I told him what the kids wanted to do. I said, we'll make it happen. This, they feel this is what Casey would want. Casey wouldn't want us to feel sorry for ourselves. It wants to bow up and go play. And that's what they're going to do. No idea what that was going to look like. Um, First off, obviously, when you find out that he's been killed, you have to decide how are you going to let the team know where's that going to happen. You're just going to probably let things flow out of the spirit. But then you have to determine whether or not you're even going to play football or not. And the reality of of playing a game after something like this, but it has the decision has to be made. Well, now here's a third decision that's coming into play, and that is now you've lost a contributor on your football team. So now, now you got to figure out, okay, we're going to play a game without one of our contributors. How are we going to make that happen? Who's going to step up and take Kaysen's place on this team to even have a chance to win this district title? And we lost Thursday's practice, our, our walkthrough. We didn't even practice on Thursday, obviously. So we're working a day short on practice without our, at the time, our leading rusher. And uh, we obviously had to make some adjustments from our game plan. And we asked ask our administration on Friday if we could 
have our kids a little early. They let them out at noon. We took them to our team dinner, which we normally do Thursday night. So we had a team lunch uh, and let, that, let the church pray over them. And then we came back. And uh, by that time, in between those times, coaches had a little bit of a chance to make some adjustments with game plan. And so we, we went through uh, a walkthrough on Friday with a couple of adjustments. Uh, and that was that's how we prepared. At that point, as a coach, I knew it was totally in God's hands. And, you know, whatever the outcome is going to be, we were going to honor it. And, and told those, told the, I told the boys, though, if you're going to play tomorrow night, I want you to understand we will play. But don't you dare approach this in the aspect we're going to go win for Casey. We're going to go. Don't play this with emotion. Don't play this. Don't hang that emotion out there for Casey because emotion will let you down every time. Play it for the right reason. Go play for Casey, but play it with your heart and with your effort. Don't try to become somebody you're not. For Casey. Don't try to get in your head and try to have some out-of-body experience for Casey. Go play for Casey with all of your energy and all of your effort. And then you've got to be willing to accept the scoreboard. I don't care what happens tomorrow night. You've got to be willing to accept it if you want to play tomorrow night. That was my deal to them. If you're going to play tomorrow night, we'll make it work. But here's what I ask of you. Team wins the game 35-21. Tell me what you saw in your kids during the course of that game. And do you even remember? <laughs> because I can't imagine the emotion that you felt as that game went along. And by the time that final buzzer sounded, was it a point of, of relief and release for everybody involved? The pregame, this leading up to kickoff was so taxing emotionally on everybody. Uh, there were 6,000 people there, and you could hear a pin drop, and we're playing a football game. It was such a sober, humming feeling that the whole town of Sperry was there. They were wearing white number 27 shirts. They had raised money for the family. The, one of the football players had made stickers, 27 stickers for our helmet. The outpouring of that team. When we were doing our moments of respect for Kaysen, their team, was kneeling in complete reverence and respect. I've never witnessed anything like that all my life. So just to get to the kickoff was pretty hard. I've got referees. I said, I told them, I said, guys, I, I can't tell you the emotional state of these kids right now. I, I'm fearful for what might happen to their emotional well-being. I said, Coach, we got you covered. It's going to be okay. We'll take care of them. And then they prayed with me. So just to get the kickoff was pretty tough. We played the first half. We're down 14 to nothing. We go in at halftime. 
it is the worst feeling I've ever had in the locker room. To look at these young men with these empty stares because they have no answers. They're so, so hurt, they're so broken. So what do you say? I knew the game was in God's hands. I knew everything was in God's hands. My halftime speech was simply, you guys have played the toughest half. You've been on an emotional roller coaster for 36 hours. We got through the pregame. We've gone through halftime. We're up to half, two quarters, we're now we're at half. We've gotten the second half. Go play for Casey. Just give it all you got. And that was it. And they did. And then I think we're behind 14 to 7. And uh, they try to throw a screen pass. Easton Davis tips it, and TJ Austin intercepts it. And that was another big pivotal turning point in the game. We were on defense facing the east. Sperry was on offense facing the west. We get the interception. The kids come off the field. Dax, McElroy, starting the linebackers. Hey, coach. Hey, coach. Casey's with us. Right, so I know he is, bud. I know he's, he's with us. He's no, no, no. You don't understand. The play before we intercepted that pass. All of us on defense saw a shooting star. It's amazing that they saw that in the midst of a football game. Yeah. And then we intercept the next pass. And they didn't look back after that. We had two, two or three big pass plays. We blocked a punt. We took the momentum. And that was the, uh, the turning point, I, I really believe is when they realized it was okay. It was okay to go play. Because Casey was with them. So now you're you're in the playoffs, you're making a nice run. A team comes back a couple of different times. You knock out uh, Wyandotte in the first round and, and OCS in the second round. Then things start to get a little bit tight. But you take out Kingston with a rally. You rally to take out Metro Christian in the semifinals. And so now you're in the championship game. And lo and behold, there's Sperry again. Did you feel like that the whole state was on your side as you made this run through the playoffs in an attempt to win the state title? There's no doubt about that. I, uh, I want to back up for just a second to the end of the Sperry game, if I could. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I had two speeches written. I had given some much meditation, meditation and thought and prayerful consideration about what to say to those young men. I had a speech if we won. I had a speech if we lost. And so we won. We get him on a knee in the in the field like we always do to talk to him. I had just began to speak to the kids. I actually had in my right hand the speech that if we had won, and one of my coaches came up and whispered in my ear, 
Coach, Sperry's behind you. I looked behind me, and there was a football team in complete reverence, 10 feet behind me, and the whole community of Sperry. At that point, no speech is required. I just asked one of our young men if he would offer a prayer. And I just backed out of the way. And uh, I told Coach Park after the game, we will see you in the championship game. I really believe this. But then I also felt I've never seen a community with an outpouring of love like that. And I honestly, deeply in my heart, felt like we would see them in the championship game because I felt we had the best team in the state, no matter who else was there, honestly. But after we played Sperry, the respect I gained for their program, their leadership, their community, and their team, I just knew we were going to see them in the state championship. And that's the way God planned it. So now you're in the state championship game against Sperry. And I mean, it's several weeks later. I would think as far as football is concerned, you've you've probably gotten a little bit into more normalcy. Kaysen's funeral has already happened. And so as far as all of the details and everything that was going to come from from that was was behind you heading into the state championship game. Did you feel like and, I, and you got to tell me, David, because I know that um, as you talked about going into that first game on the day after Casey's death, you, emotion, you just can't play on emotion. And I know that you've been playing on emotion this whole time because you're wanting to win now. The team's wanting to win for Casey want to win that, but now it's a gold ball against your toughest opponent that you had played all year. And that was the toughest game of all to prepare for mentally. We'd had our ups and downs in the previous four weeks. We'd been on a roller coaster ride emotionally. We'd been on a roller coaster ride in games. We'd been up, we'd been down. We'd had to come back from behind. And I thought we had a tremendous week of practice. Uh, All the coaches felt really good uh, about our game plan, about where we were. We thought mentally, emotionally, we were probably in a good place. We just tried to keep the fact that they were, you know, playing for Casey, fulfill this mission on the front load without belaboring it to a degree. And uh, we showed up at Owasso to play, and there was a different aura than we had seen with our kids. Uh, Were they just spent? I think they were spent. I think it just, and again, I am not going to diminish Sperry football, Coach Park. Their kids came to play. They came with a mission. They came to play. And uh, my hat's off to them. Uh, And we played okay in the first half. A big turnover in the uh, late minute and a half to go in half that we end up getting a touchdown and that put us behind it was 7-7 until that point and emotionally in the locker room at halftime we just we tried to, to rally them but I don't think there's anything left in their gas tank we, we tried everything we could and TJ Austin had hurt his knee right before half and I, I, I think that he had been such a catalyst he and Jared Suter have been two of the biggest catalysts 
and two of the biggest tough guy mentality that we're going to get this done for four games. TJ was the one that had to fill in the role of carrying the balls, the ball for uh, with with Casey's absence, and he had rushed. 27 carries for like 269 yards against Metro. And I don't think he had 27 carries all of his junior year. And uh, I think the kids saw it, TJ and Jared, as they looked at them as that leadership, that fine leadership. And uh, I think we come in at halftime, TJ's knees hurt. He can't cut. He can't accelerate. I think it just wiped him out. Mm-hmm. Because we were a different team in the second half, um, we just couldn't rally. Because couldn't rally, we we'd been behind more than once uh, through the season, and, and our kids actually played about as well behind as they did ahead, maybe better. And uh, so it wasn't the fact that we were behind by a touchdown at halftime that was a factor, because we'd been there, done that before. Uh, just a different demeanor going out the second half, and they end up the best team won. Uh, they beat us soundly. They beat us solidly. We just couldn't get any going on offense. We couldn't get the ball back enough times from them uh, on, on defense. Yeah, we, we made too many mistakes. I think, mentally, I think mentally our kids were just drained. And again, I'm never going to diminish Sperry and the job Coach Park did with his kid. It's only been not even three months since you found out at school on that Thursday about Kaysen's death. Obviously, emotions are still raw with you. And I don't, to be honest with you, I think you can have this conversation 10 years from now and you're going to have the same response because it's just, it's, one, it's just you. You love people and you love the Lord. Uh, and having to go through something like this, is it just touches every emotion. For anybody who listens to this podcast, what would you like for them to be able to take away from your experience with what happened with Kaysen and your football team to be able to advance their relationship with Christ? And no matter how dark it appears, no matter how bleak the circumstance, there's only one answer. There are no earthly answers. There are still no earthly answers to what happened to Kaysen and his beautiful sister. But the only way we can make any sense of it is with God. You know, Proverbs chapter 3 tells us to, to, to not to lean on our own understanding, but to put our trust in God. And then it brings me to a couple of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 9. Verses 23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And no matter how dark the situation, we can boast in the fact that we know and we trust in the Lord. One thing that people will recollect when they listen to this podcast is how many times the word prayer came up in this conversation from you. It's all we have. 
It's the communication, and we have to use it as often as we can. I appreciate the communities of Beggs and Sperry and your school district and the school itself that allows you guys to do that because that's where you have to go. And it's the only place you can It's go. the only place. And the fact that every time you encountered that darkness, prayer was the answer. Always the answer. Because God is the only answer. When Satan attacks people, it doesn't make sense. And so we have to turn to the Almighty because everything on this earth is so shallow and meaningless mm-hmm. when we compare it to eternity with God Almighty. And that's what we need to draw our strength from. David, thank you for your time and uh, for pouring your heart out uh, in this podcast. I know everybody who listens to it is going to be blessed. And it's the whole reason for Suit Up in the first place. But thank you for telling the story. Thank you for giving the opportunity, Kevin. God bless you, David Tennyson. Thank you. My thanks to David Tennyson for being on this podcast. Please go to podbean.com and download this podcast and others that you'll find on Suit Up 611. And please give us a five-star rating.